Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 100. Um, today, going back to some uh, architectural preservation, um, talking about um, the, uh, the latest hurricane that hit that Fort Myers region in Florida and, and what the excessive water does to uh, new fabric, new materials, as opposed to what a lot of us know about old fabric and old materials so so whenever uh, historic homes get flooded building contractors often feel compelled by government regulations to rip out the waterlogged wood flooring tear down the old plaster walls and install new flood resistant materials so it's a hurried approach that's likely to occur across southwest Florida in the wake of Hurricane Ian but restores uh, Paige Pollard and Kenny Shacklefeld say they know something that science is yet to prove. Historic building materials can often withstand repeated soakings. There's often no, <clears throat> no need, they say, to put in modern products such as box store lumber that are both costly to homeowners and dilute a house's historic character. Our forefathers chose materials that were naturally rot resistant like black, black locust, white oak, red cedar, and even cypress, said Shackelford, who owns a historic restoration business. And they actually survive better than many of the products we use today. Pollard and Shackelford are part of an emerging, emerging movement in, in the United States that aims to prove the resilience of older homes as more fall under the threat of rising seas and intensifying storms due to climate change. They hope their research near Virginia's coast can convince more government officials and building contractors that historic building materials often need cleaning, not replacing after a serious flood. In Florida, historic preservationists already fear older homes damaged by Ian may be stripped of original materials because so few craftsmen are available who could properly perform the necessary restoration repairs. But there are some companies that just roll through, and their job is just to come in and gut the place and move on, said Jenny Wolf, board president of the Florida Trust for Historic Preservation. Pollard and Shackleford's joint venture in Virginia, the retrofit design firm building, which means which they're involved with is building material, resilient building material solutions, opened a lab earlier this year in which planks of old growth pine, oak, and cedar are submerged into a tank mimicking flood conditions. The tests are designed to demonstrate historic materials durability and were devised with help from the Virginia Tech researchers. Meanwhile, the National Park Service has been working with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers on similar research at the Construction Engineering Research Laboratory in Champaign, Illinois. Researchers there have read through construction manuals from the mid-19th century to the early 20th century to assemble everything from tongue and groove flooring to brick walls coated with plaster. The materials were lowered in water containing bacteria and mold to simulate tainted flood water. The f research may seem glaringly redundant considering all the older homes that stand intact along the nation's coast and rivers. Many have withstood multiple floods and still boast their own original floors and walls. Pollard and Shackleford say lumber in older homes is resilient because it came from trees 
that grew slowly over many, many decades and centuries. So that means the tree's growth rings were small and quite dense, thereby making it harder for water to seep in. Also, the timber was cut from the innermost part of the trunk, which produces the hardest wood. Plaster can also be water resistant, while common plaster coatings were made from lime, a substance with antiseptic qualities built into it. But here's the problem. U.S. flood insurance regulations often require structure in flood-prone areas to be repaired with products classified as flood resistance. And many historic building materials haven't been classified because they haven't been even been tested. U.S. regulations allow exceptions for homes on the National Register of Historic Places, as well as some state and local registries. But not everyone fully understands or is aware of the exceptions which can be quite limited at times. The far bigger challenge is a lack of expertise among contractors and local officials, Pollard said. Interpretations of regulations can vary, particularly in the chaos after a major flood. You've got a property owner who's in distress, said Pollard, who co-owns a historic preservation firm. They're dealing with a contractor who's being pulled in a million directions, and the contractors are trained to get all of that wet material into a dumpster as quickly as possible. No exceptions. So in Norfolk, Virginia, Karen Spiegitz said a contractor replaced her original floor made from old-growth pine with laminate flooring after her home was flooded. Built in the 1920s, Spiegitz's two-story craftsman in Chesterfield Heights, a predominantly black neighborhood on the National Register of Historic Places, it sits along the estuary of the Chesapeake Bay in one of the most vulnerable cities at sea level rise. I still believe I have a good contractor, she said, but, f but flooding was not his expertise. You don't know what you don't know, but he still could be a good person. But along Florida's uh, Gulf Coast, there are thousands of historic structures, and Wolf of the Florida Trust says, a large number of them are wood-framed houses on piers with plaster and lath walls. So imagine that, houses on piers with plaster and lath walls. So many, uh, many likely just need to be dried out, after Ian Wolf said. But, <clears throat> but only so many local contractors know what to do. In terms of drying them slowly and opening up the baseboards and to get circular airflow, Andy Apner uh, president-elect of the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, agreed that many contractors aren't well-versed in older building materials. There's no course that I know that teaches you directly how to work on historical homes, said Apner, a Maryland contractor. It's like an antique car. You're going to be limited on where you can find parts and where you can find someone who's qualified to work on it. And even today, I mean, take that further. Your local, your local car repair person doesn't want to work on your 1970s car. Uh, doesn't want to do it because it's too difficult from the standpoint they're already set up to use their computer and do analysis. You just plug it in, so probably anything from uh, mid-80s mid on. So it's the same thing. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's an inconvenience to the people who are repairing and restoring, the contractors and and why should they do it? Just just rip out and, and replace. But interest in the resilience of older homes has grown since Hurricane Katrina, which 
divulged hundreds of thousands of historic structures along the Gulf Coast in 2005. According to Jennifer Eggleston, the National Park Service Chief of Staff for Cultural Resources, Partnerships and Science, Eggleston said the Park Service recognized the growing need to protect older structures and issued new guidelines last year for rehabilitating historic buildings in flood-prone areas. The guidelines recommended keep historic materials in place when possible, but they don't list specific materials due to a lack of research on their flood resistance. A recent study of, by the Park Service and Army Corps found that some historic materials, such as old-growth hard pine and cypress flooring, perform considerably better than certain varieties of modern lumber, Eggleston said. Those particular floor assemblies could be dried for reuse after the so-called clean water damage, Eggleston said, but they would likely require refinishing to remove biological activities such as mold and bacteria, which is absolutely no problem. You're saving so much. You're saving material from the landfill. You're saving, you gave the trees a purpose to live again. You didn't destroy their, you know, the, the usefulness of the timber. And Pollard and Shacklefield said they're hoping for an, an eventual shift in the practice that will save money for homeowners as well as taxpayers, who often foot the bill after a major disaster. But in the meantime, flooding in historic areas will only get worse for more frequent rainstorms or more powerful hurricanes, said Chad Berginis, executive director of the Association of State Floodplain Managers. Think about our historic settlement patterns in this country he said. On the coast, we settled around water and islands. We settled around water all the time. So that was a thing, and, and even today, um, on the East Coast, uh, you may live in New Jersey on one side, but you may have a, a house on the, uh, you know, the ocean side on the other, just 50, 60 miles away. So we, we, we like to settle in our water, but we very rarely think it's going to happen, happen to us, and you know, take those consequences along with it. So, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist, signing out. Thanks for listening to <coughs> episode 100.